آزادی بدنها Soleimani was plotting imminent and sinister attacks on American diplomats. We need full clarity on how such a horrific tragedy could have occurred. Few things destabilize our world like a wave of violent unrest in the Middle East. Amid escalating conflict between the U.S. and Iran, confusion reigns in the aftermath of the tragic ground-to-air missile that shot down Flight 752. We listen to those who grieve. So, that's yeah, very tough. They thanked me for raising a good son. The deaths of 57 Canadians among the 176 on board the downed passenger jet just after takeoff from Tehran has left Canadians and Iranians heartbroken and angry. Now there are a lot more questions than answers as the pain of family and friends erupt in the streets of Tehran, calling on their regime for change. We talk with those facing the future with spiritual hope. And we'll also go to Washington to ask a Canadian military expert what Canada's role in the recovery should be. Today on Context, peacemaking and the complexity of Canadian families waiting to repatriate the remains of their loved ones from Iran. We begin today's program with one man's remarkable story of a last-minute change of flight in Iran. That saved both his and his wife's life. Context's Hannah Vanderkoy has more from a vigil in North Toronto. This was my plane ticket. On um, January 8th. This is my name. So you were supposed to be on that flight, but then... Yeah. And, um, I changed my ticket because I had to go to Turkey. So I changed my ticket to Ukrainian airline from Istanbul. And my wife kept telling me, we have to come back together. So we both changed our ticket. We paid a hefty price to change it. <laughs> now I know it was worth it. Um, it's unbelievable. Like, I feel like for myself, I got a second chance, but there were so many unfortunate others who lost their lives. And um, I can't believe what they're going through. If I'm going through, a horrible shock. I can't believe their families, what they're going through. Could have been me so easily. He was my best friend from high school. Like He just came here last year with his wife and two kids. It's really sad to lose, to lose them. Like I can't believe. I just feel so sad for his family, for his two kids. your classmate? Yes, like, and this is my friends. And how are you doing? Like, it's sad. They're, they were both nine. He lost two of, one of, two of his best friends, one of the classmates, and the other one, the family friend. It's a tragedy for us. And yesterday, we, he knew the news, was crying. They were our friends. They were people that we were working and living with. And it's a great tragedy for all of us this very big disaster. Such sadness has overcome us here in Canada in the wake of this disaster. So many weeping for loved ones lost and asking, 
How could this have happened? Who and what to believe about the downed jetliner? To help us answer some of those questions, we're joined by Christian Loiprecht, a political science professor from the Royal Military College of Canada. He joins us today from Washington. Christian, thank you for speaking with us. Iran has made arrests for the ground-to-air missile that shot down Flight 752. Can we expect uh, a trial of integrity, a fair trial? Well, so let's be careful about the nuance in the wording from the regime. Arrests have been made related to the downing of the aircraft. So what we do know is that some protesters have been arrested. We also know that at least one individual who uploaded a video has been arrested. We are still awaiting details who within the chain of command will be held accountable and by what means. Because soldiers are not usually held accountable by civilian or religious courts in Iran or elsewhere. They are held accountable through the military chain of command and through court-martial and so I think we still need to wait uh, what the military is actually going to do other than the brigadier general who runs the air defense force having apologized for this particular mistake. We'll also need to see whether people who are being put on trial will actually be the individuals in that chain of command and who operated that battery and higher up who ultimately authorized the shooting down or whether this will be a show trial of individuals that Iran had likely planned to execute regardless. Okay, now how can Canada approach accountability for the lives lost? Yeah, the Minister of Foreign Affairs and the Prime Minister have been very clear about this fair and transparent and accountable uh, investigation because that will also mean accountability then uh, with regards to justice for the victims. And so we'll need to see whether our investigators get all the visas that the Transportation Safety Board has requested, whether they get access to the crash site, what sort of access they get to the crash site, whether they'll be able to examine the wreckage or what is left now that much of it has already been bulldozed, whether we can take pieces back to Canada for independent testing, whether our investigators will be able to conduct interviews with people, for instance, in the chain of command, the individuals who've uploaded some of the video that we've all seen on television, and uh, what sort of access will actually get to the data on the infamous black boxes. So much remains to be seen here in terms of accountability. Okay, and uh, Iran does not recognize the dual citizenship many had on Flight 752. Will Canadians be able to repay the remains of their loved ones from Iran. So this is a persistent challenge for uh, also people who run into legal troubles in Iran and in other countries that do not re um, recognize dual citizenship. And so we will hope that Iran will make do uh, with the w wishes of the loved ones in terms of where individuals will be buried. But of course, some of these remains can also provide clues to what ultimately transpired with regards to this plane. And I suspect that if Iran does not give up those remains, those will be part of uh, the international course of justice that Canada can and likely will pursue uh, through the criminal courts on the precedent of the MH17 Malaysian airliner that was downed over Ukraine and where the Dutch authorities are now looking to pursue justice for their victims. Okay, well, peacemaking is very complex, but how should Canada position itself now on the Middle Eastern stage, the global stage, really, about this Iranian war, that uh, Iranian war move that took 53 Canadian lives? 
Yeah, I think that's a very apt question. I think one, of course, that uh, I think everybody hopes and wishes for. Um, and there are a lot of uh, musings about de-escalation. And this will also then, I think, also restrain Canada in terms of further action that it might take uh, to um, uh, make sure, for instance, uh, there are options of, of joining unilateral or multilateral sanctions, possibly with European Union uh, member countries or so. Um, but we also need to consider the humanitarian circumstances in Iran of people who are already suffering very dearly as a result of U.S. sanctions and where most individuals are, of course, caught um, in their everyday lives um, in the broader turmoil uh, that the regime in Iran is imposing on them. And so this is very challenging territory for the prime minister and cabinet to pursue in terms of ensuring that justice is done and accountability is had, but without escalating the situation in the region or bilateral relationships between uh, Canada and Iran. Okay. Christian Leuprecht, political science professor from the Royal Military College of Canada. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. The loss of people on Flight 752 has hit pockets of Canada's Iranian community hard, including Markham and Richmond Hill, home to a large Persian community. Context Susan Ponting spoke with Richmond Hill Member of Parliament Majid Jahari at the Thornhill Vigil in Markham. No words can explain uh, what the uh, Iranian-Canadian community and Canada is going through. And a lot of souls were lost here. I have a father who lost a son who had raised uh, on his own for the last 10 years. Uh, the son had traveled back home to visit uh, his mom. What do you think about the stunning turn of events of thousands of Iranians marching in the streets, not death to America, but death to the regime. It's clear that had the regime uh, come out uh, very quickly and accept responsibility and explain thoroughly what had happened, uh, it, they wouldn't be facing the backlash that they're facing right now. The United States and other countries putting sanctions is really hurting average, everyday Iranian people. The economic sanctions is impacting the country um, and imp impacting the, uh, the regime, but the, the, the indirect impact of that is on the people. And, uh, you know, when, when they are having challenges uh, keeping their jobs and um, lack of raw material, uh, lack of uh, medication, lack of food. So do you think, Majid, that there is change on the horizon in Iran then with the young people that are instigating it? Human race lives with hope. So is there hope? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm always hopeful. I, I just want to make sure that the, those uh, young generation, when they come out and they share their uh, sorrow and they share um, they can do it freely, they can do it without the fear of persecution, and they can be heard. A tragedy as big as Flight 752 draws neighborhoods into the streets for shared grief. Jesse James is a special constituency assistant for community engagement at the City of Toronto. Uh, Jesse, thank you for joining us. And I'm sure as part of your work that you have, many of the Iranian community in your ward have appreciated being able to see Toronto gather. Tell us how this all happens. Uh, well, 
Toronto tends to gather uh, for a number of reasons, celebratory, uh, for big milestones that it might experience, but it also has been known to gather uh, in the face of great tragedy. Let's, let's just talk about the city role in helping the grieving of the Iranian community and uh, Canadians in general. Um, this is a very multicultural community that you work out of for the city. How does, how, do, how does grieving come together across all the different ethnic groups? That's a good question. Uh, every cultural group uh, has different processes or, or uh, ways that they process grief, um, that they either collectively or individually engage with grief and pain. Uh, and then every person engages with grief and pain differently. So the, the collective, the collective is, is a much more difficult uh, process of, of, of dealing with trauma. Uh, so how, how we do that is uh, often through public vigils. Getting that chance to get people together. And you've done this before. Sadly, you were there when North York experienced the significant trauma two years ago with the van attack on the street there. Uh, what does your Christian belief bring to public loss and to helping a community? My engagement is uh, to help facilitate commemoration events, vigils, prayer walks, um, and to, as much as possible, uh, help uh, local faith leaders. Um, because of my Christian background, I was connected with many uh, Christian leaders in the area, church leaders, organizational leaders, and help them to uh, meet with their neighbors, uh, open up their churches for um, for counseling, for do for therapists with dogs uh, to come in and use their church building for mm -hmm. um, for communal communal events uh, immediately following tragedy. It's also finding resources within the church, um, people with who are trained counselors, uh, people who've gone through trauma that might have been similar. Jesse James, Special Constituency Assistant for Community Engagement at the City of Toronto. Thank you for supporting people in need. Oh, you're very welcome. The situation in Iran with some of the Canadian victims is so sensitive, we cannot name the family that our next guest knows. Ali Amani, uh, you're here to tell us more. Why is it too sensitive to bring up a Canadian victim that is currently back home trying to get their Iranian family member repatriated? Um, this is a shock for um, everyone, especially for families. And uh, um, for this matter, they want to really make sure that um, um, they can just deal with the situation in Iran and they can just um, safe come back to Canada. Let's name the elephant in the room. It's Christianity, isn't it? It's yes. difficult for people who are Iranian Christians to work within those authority structures and for a Christian family to bring home their Christian, uh, their Christian member. Yes, this is what we experience here, just the freedom that we can believe, so what we believe and come together as a nation and uh, live together. But um, there are different places that is not the case. And, and it's not the case in Iran, is yes, it? Yes, yes, and um, people um, that are very um, sensitive to that area and just, um, uh, we want to honor them as well. So your friends who are Christians trying to get their family member back, their body back to Canada, what is the tradition for grieving in the Iranian culture? Um, in Iranian culture or most of the Middle East culture is um, 
um, it's a tight community. Are, the community is very close together and they come and spend time together. And there's not the matter of saying specific words, but definitely showing emotions and just crying with them. And uh, this is the way that they found comfort. And um, so, as you know, this is grief is a journey and not just for mm -hmm. this stage, but walking with them. I know we can't mention this family by name or by photo. What can you tell us about the friend that you have lost? Um, I work with children and families, and um, because I went through different um, cultures, this is um, my passion to just um, listening to their pain, walking with them, and see where I can um, help them. So um, as I saw this situation or those families, it was a big shock for me to see this is a severe pain, and it's hard to imagine that a family is destroyed or families that are destroyed. And um, back to my passion and heart is just what can I do, what we can as a community uh, to comfort them and walk with them and remember them and honor them mm -hmm. uh, because they came here um, as a newcomers and start new life and go through so many different stages and of sudden, so they had to deal with grief and pain in an incredible way. Ali, thank you. Thank you so much for being their friends. Thank you for representing the voices of Christians who have lost loved ones in this terrible tragedy and the additional trauma now that they are going through. Thank you. To the west now, where the Iranian-Canadian community in Edmonton lost 13 lives in the crash. Payman Parsian is an Iranian-Canadian community leader who lost some of his friends in this tragedy. Payman, thank you for being with us today, and um, we're glad to have you here because you have become a well-known Iranian-Canadian spokesman for this terrible tragedy, and you felt it's important to stay the, with the media focused on this loss. Why? Thank you for having me, Lorna. Uh, it's important to tell the story of our friends, the tragedy, and the amazing people that we lost in such a needless act. Uh, I think it's important that the world is aware of, of what occurred and hopefully uh, going forward, we come up with solutions to make sure that things like this don't ever happen again. Well, let's, so talk. let's talk about accountability. What would you like to see uh, from our Canadian government for accountability as they probe this disaster? Well, I think accountability will only uh, come about if there's a full and thorough and transparent investigation that actually shows us what took place the moments before that led to the, uh, the uh, missile taking down the plane. And so once we have a, an independent investigator or nations that are, for example, not the culprit, I think it's highly inappropriate that Iran, being the culprit nation of taking down this plane with a missile, is the one leading the investigation. Seems like we're not adhering to the most basic principles of of investigations being done appropriately. So, what would you like to see Canadians whose families have been lost in this attack uh, be uh, receiving from the Canadian government? You know, I'd like to see the families uh, continue to receive support and guidance from the Canadian government. But as far as compensation and what justice is for those families, those will have to be determined by the families. 
we as a community, we lost a lot of good people that aren't replaceable for us. So for us, the most important thing is to make sure that the reasons why this happened are discovered and it never happens to anybody again. You are a community leader hearing from a lot of people there. Um, what are the specific requests that they have, the people who are in grief? You know, I, I only speak on my own behalf and I've been humbled to be able to uh, hopefully in some way represent the Iranian Canadian community. Um, I think that people just want to see some accountability. They want to see our government make sure that uh, the Iranian regime is held to account for what, uh, what happened. As far as accountability, that would mean that they, they would either have the individuals involved charged. Um, you know, somebody had to authorize this missile to be uh, launched. It, it didn't just, uh, it wasn't an autonomous system. Um, they blamed it on human error. Well, that human error took 176 lives, and these people's lives matter. And so we have to make sure that the Iranian government is able to compensate the families properly to make sure that we go forward. This doesn't happen again. Active conflict zones shouldn't have planes taking off. This is one of the basic things that I'd like to see uh, the international bodies, such as the IA ICAO, take on as a rule for international airlines. Payman Parsian, thank you for speaking to us. And again, we're sorry for the loss of the friends that you knew in that and uh, for all of those affected. Thank you. Thank you. That was Payman Parsian, Iranian-Canadian community leader from Edmonton. Well, when we as a global village face a tragedy like this one, we turn to God to help us make sense. How does our spiritual life help the healing process. With me today to speak about that and the Christianity role in standing with our fellow Canadians are two Iranian-Canadian pastors, Dr. Ed Saleh and Pastor Siamak Karamak. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Dr. Ed, you have actually, from Toronto, a 24-hour Christian broadcasting back into Iran. Yes. And immediately, you went to the airwaves. So, uh, the disaster happened on by Wednesday morning, we were aware of what's going on. Friday, I went live on television, and you know, it's very hard for me to uh, describe my feelings, as you have to go in front of a camera and express your sorrow, your pain, your grief, and your condolences to a nation of more than 80 million people. Uh, they uh, were shocked. People did not expect anything like this would ever happen. Uh, and ultimately, they would be responsible for the loss of all these precious, precious souls, um, a majority of them from Canada. So I sat there in front of the camera. I said, you know, uh, I could be just like a regular preacher, try to uh, give you verses and try to argue about, you know, what the Bible says. I could, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to say to you, we understand. We feel your pain. Uh, we are feeling the grief you have, and all we have to do right now is to pray. Dr. Karamat, you um, pastor a church that has uh, over 200 Iranians in it. How did they process this on that morning they gathered after the crash? Interesting that uh, on the night of the, these incidents, we had the Bible study and uh, the people came and said, what's going to happen to us? And we didn't know that this uh, terrible incident is going to happen. What we prayed and prayed, and the people uh, decided to send, say, we want peace to government of Iran, to all the leaders of Iran, 
and the, the other, the rest of leaders of the world. Because the tensions were building. Exactly. And we were already having peacemaking prayer meetings. You know, there is a Muslim and Christian reality. There's a very, uh, you know, a multi-faith mm -hmm. dynamic there. Uh, what does the Christian hope, uh, Pastor, bring into that? I use the Bible verse that said, Lord, through you we want to receive the comfort and peace and send the same comfort and peace to our people, to so many victims of darkness in Iran and around the world. So we just kneel down and pray and say, Lord, we want your peace and comfort for our people because they need it. And going back to Iran. That's right. And as you look at the future, Dr. Selah, on ministering the love of Jesus into that very complicated situation, what are you hoping for? Well, we're hoping that this disaster would uh, not, only, uh, not have a negative, a permanent negative impact because we can become very bitter. And unfortunately, the secular media, um, obviously they have their own particular uh, agendas as to what they want to promote. We're hoping that we as a voice of Christ in Iran would promote a positive uh, outlook that ultimately, first of all, God is reigning uh, in all these matters. He's still on his throne and we need to trust him that he is a good God. He's not a God of war. He's not a God of bloodshed. He's not a God of violence. Uh, I will say something to you, Lorna, which is very uh, new to me. I've learned something very recently. Uh, changing of a government or trying to replace a government with another government may only solve part of the problem. The key to changing the hearts of Iran and Iranians is to change their theology, their view of God, their understanding of who God is, determines the fabric of their culture and the fabric of their behavior towards one another and towards all the other countries. If they think God is a God of punishment, God of violence, God of retribution, Obviously, that will affect their outlook of how things are in the world. But you're talking about a theocracy there. Absolutely. That is a very, and it affects, uh, Pastor, how Canadians uh, live out their understanding of God, does it not? Exactly. And uh, first of all, I really, Lorna, I want to say that I'm so thankful for this lovely land, Canada, that give us such an opportunity to express our feeling. Yes. And send and tell our people, and not only here, but in Iran as well, who watch this program right now, that Christianity, Christianity is not about the religion, but about uh, intimacy relationship with the Lord, the Creator, Jesus Christ, the God of love. And these days, our people sending this message exactly with the you know, into t Twitters, uh, Facebooks, Instagrams, WhatsApp, everywhere. And again, as I told you, we receive beautiful responses from people from Iran. Every Facebook post, every tweet can be about that spiritual peace building. Thank Absolutely. you both. Thank you both for Thank being with us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Pastor Siamat Karamat and Dr. Ed Sela. 
At Context, our role in news commentary means we do episodes that focus on peacemaking. And we do that because the way of Jesus asks for peacemaking. So today, we considered questions that explore de-escalation of revenge. Peacemakers begin with grieving alongside those who've lost so much. And in a world shaped by tweets and posts of fragments of truth or not, we all can have a hand in creating a ripple of peace for the pain in this world. We'll end today with some of the victims of the tragic passenger jet crash over the skies of Iran. For all of us, I'm Lorna Dewey. That was our full show that's posted every Thursday on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get our weekly episodes and web exclusives.